in order for me to get that shot. In the moment, you have to stay so focused and so still and you know, project that positive energy and that, that welcoming and, and not get too excited. But man, when, when that experience is over and I can, if I could scream at the top of my lungs, I do. Oh, my goodness, it's just like, ah! I've screamed so many times. Just like excitement and the adrenaline and the rush and the the honor, I think more so. You know that it's it just for me it becomes obviously photography is what brings me there, but seeing and experiencing those kind of moments is what really is the moment that I crave for. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. So if you're ready to join us in the hustle, listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end the creative journey is all worth it. In this episode, we talk with renowned explorer, adventurer, and wildlife photographer, Michelle Valberg. Michelle is a Canadian Nikon ambassador. She is a fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographic Society and was the first Canadian Geographic's photographer in residence. She is an author, a speaker, and guides photography expeditions to extreme destinations. Michelle and I talk about photographing everything from narwhals to ice bears to snowy owls to a field of 10,000 walrus. She describes her first time making eye-to-eye contact with a polar bear and how photographing wildlife involves using all of your senses to anticipate that decisive moment. This is We Are Photographers with Michelle Valberg, and this is her story. I want to dive right in, Michelle, and start talking about comfort zones. You put yourself out of what I would see as my own comfort zone more than most people on this planet. (laughs) So I would love to hear about the first time that you felt completely out of your comfort zone, perhaps that now seems like no big deal. Oh, that's such a good question. And yeah, taking yourself out of the comfort zone, it just becomes way more than photography at that point. And one of the biggest challenges that I ever faced was uh, when I was on the flow edge. So the flow edge is up at the top of the Arctic and you're at where the ice ends and the open water starts. So the next stop is Greenland. And you're on the ice with polar bears, walrus, seals, whales. And the group that I was with, they were all men. And they were getting into the water to swim with an narwhal. And they had on the dry suits. I had never had a dry suit on before. And they all looked at me and said, why don't you try it? And at first, my immediate reaction was like, not a chance am I jumping into the Arctic water in a dry suit with narwhal. And then a split second later, I said, you know what? Yeah. When am I ever going to have a chance like this again? And I immediately... uh, at that point said yes. And next thing you knew, I was getting in this dry suit and uh, they had all come out of the water. So I had an audience 
And I got in and of course there were narwhal everywhere. And I got in the water and the narwhal all disappeared. So, and at that point, honestly, Kenna, I couldn't care less if I saw a narwhal. I was in the water. I was in a dry suit. I was in the Arctic. I was outside of every comfort level I have ever had. And I thought, you know what? This is the coolest thing I've ever done. And it took 52 minutes for a narwhal to come. And this narwhal came right underneath me and he stopped like four feet below, turned upside down and he just stared at me. And it felt like, it felt like a minute, right? It was probably a nanosecond and then off it went. And then next thing you know, six more glided right underneath me. And at that point I had to get out and I didn't want to, but I really was, I was, you know, the cold was starting to seep in and there was just no way that I could stay out any longer. And I got out and I, I've never felt so exhilarated and, you know, that immediate, I have to go back. And unfortunately I wasn't able to on that trip because the weather came in and it started to rain and we had to move out, but, um, I vowed to get back into the water. So that was my real first, you know what, this is, <laughs> this is just so cool and so uncomfortable and so scary. And so un- it's such an unknown Right. And when we take those chances, no matter what it is in, in your life, it doesn't matter if it's photography, it doesn't matter what it is. And so many people and so many of us like our little comfort area and it's hard to, it's hard to step beyond that boundary. And, and if you can, it just, it, it's like it gives you permission or it catapults you to the next level. What do you think puts you out of your comfort zone now? You know, I think anything that just isn't the norm, you know, or when I'm out with wildlife, that I am in the midst of, of creatures like grizzly bears or polar bears out in the cold and going out into minus 50 and surviving and, uh, you know, pushing, pushing those limits all the time. Going back to your childhood, what was your first pet? Did you have a pet? Can you remember a moment where you fell in love with animals? I loved animals, I think, the day that I was born. And I begged my parents for a dog. I begged and begged. And it wasn't until I was 11 that they finally let us get a dog. And uh, I had a cat. Yeah, just the animals and, and out in nature. You know, our parents always encouraged us. I mean, at, that, at those years as well, we were always out. We weren't on the Internet and we weren't, uh, we weren't in front of a TV. We were outside all the time you photograph all kinds of bears, uh, in addition to uh, so much wildlife, but where did the fondness for bears come from? I think National Geographic, right? When, uh, or the nature series, when I would see polar bears, it just became like this infatuation. And, you know, as a photographer, uh, I had to do everything and uh, in a career and, and I did the video production and then I had to do the weddings and I did the bar mitzvahs and the events and I transferred the old eight millimeter and 16 millimeter. There wasn't anything that I wouldn't do because I had to make a living as photography. I was, I was committed and you know, it was one of those, I need to photograph polar bears one day. And my father actually gave me a pamphlet and it was from frontiers North and uh, they had just gone up to Churchill and my dad handed me this pamphlet and he said, Hey, listen, look, there's a, there's three male photographers that they have on the back of this pamphlet. Um, you could be there. And that was, 
that was 20 years ago. And now I work for Frontiers North as their resource photographer. So, um, yeah, it's just been a fatuation with me. And now I get to experience them. And it's just the greatest gift. First of all, go dad. <laughs> go dad. My, my, uh, my little guiding star. He's been amazing in my life. Can you describe the first time that you locked eyes with a bear? What type of bear was it? And what was that energetic exchange like for you? The first bear I ever encountered in the wild, in the environment, in their own environment, was a polar bear. And it was a game changer for me. That moment when when I looked eye to eye into, into this bear's world, and I felt so honored and blessed and uh, humbled by the experience. There was something that ignited and said, I need, I need to, to photograph more and I need to bring this back. I need, as a visual storyteller, I want to share what it is that I'm, that I'm seeing in that connection. I saw a, a video, just a short on Instagram, of a snowy owl where it was looking at you and then it turned and then it it looked back with one eye mm-hmm. and it's like do you feel like you're communicating with the animals yeah when if you look at a wild animal in the eyes I think it goes beyond just that eye-to-eye connection and I think it's for me a much more spiritual and deeper connection and and something that just keeps me wanting to find more and more. I'm also a portrait photographer, and, and I spent most of my career doing doing portraits, and I still do portraits on a, on a scale. And um, I have a studio here in my home city. And in portraits, and not necessarily environmental, because you don't necessarily have that. You, you want to capture you know the environment, and you don't necessarily have that uh, one-on-one with that person. But in the studio, you have everything in control. You have your lights. You you can tell the subjects what to do. You can tell them to tilt their head. You can tell them to turn a certain way. But it also means that you have to have that intimate connection with them in order for them to trust you. And I think that translates into, into the wild as well, is that when that bear or that owl or that animal looks at me, I want that feeling of trust and intimacy that we try to get when we're photographing people. It's just different because you have no control. So I go from this controlled situation and something that I love to do and this beautiful connection that I create with with people. And especially when you can photograph somebody that they've never been photographed like that before and they look at the back of the camera and they actually have tears or joy because they are seeing themselves in a way that they haven't been seen before. And you, you have that wonderful control and then you go out into the wild and you're just absolutely, you can't control the light, you can't control the behavior, you can't control if you're even going to see wildlife. So when you do and you're able to have that connection and that, that eye to eye and that hopefully spiritual or intimate connection, I think that that's what, as a wildlife photographer, is what, what clicks. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> you do photograph a lot close to home as well. I recommend to everybody, and I don't care if you're able to go to these faraway exotic places or visit the Arctic or India for the tigers or Rwanda for the gorillas, if 
if you have the opportunity to photograph in your backyard, I think most people just dismiss it or they don't necessarily go and look close to home. And first of all, if you're getting into wildlife photography, I think it's an amazing opportunity to explore and to practice. Practicing on birds and smaller creatures, butterflies, uh, frogs. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's just so much beauty all around us everywhere. And a lot of people don't have the means and the financial capability to go to far exotic places. So go in and go into a park, go to the water, always go to the water, you'll find something and look. And I think the chase is what's so exciting, right? And yesterday I was driving around and I went down a, a, a field and there was a snowy owl on a, on a tree. That owl was just sitting there so perfectly with a slight little snow falling. Then I went up another road just behind my house and I found a coyote running down the side of the road. Um, yeah, there's just so much beauty and wonder around us. And, and if you're learning or you want to do more wildlife, go in. And I suggest uh, birds. If you can practice on birds and photograph birds, you can, in moving subjects, you can, if you can photograph a bird well, you can photograph pretty much anything. Do you have a memory of a particular bird image that you captured that you said wow i love bigger birds and and the snowy owl for me is a very important bird in my life and a very spiritual bird so photographing a snowy owl it's like anytime i see a polar bear i get the same kind of feeling and reaction and and this adrenaline rush and you know that happens when i photograph a snowy owl so i think the first time that i was able to to photograph and actually it was the funniest story we were driving down my parents were big birders and we took a drive uh, close to montreal and my son was sick so we took a separate car and my parents were ahead of us and my son woke up he was only four and i said we're here we're here ben um so we're looking for snowy owls and he looked at the window and he said, like that one? And it was flying right beside my car. And so now I'm frantic trying to get in touch with my parents because they've gone ahead. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh. So it landed and I called my parents. They drove back. And then as soon as they drove back, the owl flew right over top of us and landed in the field next to us. And he just sat there and watched us. And we were able to actually get a beautiful um, image because he was so okay with us in, a, in his presence and and just that eye to eye like you talked about earlier that eye to eye contact and those yellow eyes just staring at us and then we later found out that we were on St. Rose Street which is the name of my grandmother so it was a pretty cool experience and something again again with my parents or with my father uh, close by. What is it about putting a camera up in front of our eyes that creates a different experience and a different connection with um, with those animals than if you're just out sort of walking around. Yeah, I think because it becomes so personal. And when you're photographing an animal, say with a longer lens, you're able to see it closer. You're able to see the texture. You're able to maybe have a little bit more of an eye to eye. Uh, and it becomes yours. You know, it's, it's yours. And and no matter if you're showing it to the world in it and you're you're it becomes more than that in that moment when you're staring at an animal through your lens it's yours and it's you and that animal and a lot of times people will say just put your camera down you know don't see with your eyes 
or why do you always have to have something between you and the animal? Or, you know, they just don't understand, you know, why I need to take photos all the time if I have an animal in front of me. And I, I think it's opposite. I think it actually gives us a much greater moment and experience with that animal because it's, it's mine. That image right there becomes yours and nobody else's. And it's never going to be captured the same way by anyone else in the world. Whereas when we're looking, even though we all have different sites, we're all looking at the same. Whereas you're, you're putting it into a compartment and into a frame that, that is for you and not necessarily anyone else is, is ever going to capture that again. Even if you're standing side by each, right? You see things so differently. Absolutely. And that's the art. So right. I, I I do want to ask you about how you approach kind of working the scene in the type of environments that you do go into. So how is it that you try to make unique images within that scenario? (laughs) And try to be different than everybody else, right? That's what that's ultimately you want to see differently. And I think it's that emotional impact that we talked about or that glance or that glare or when the owl is looking at me straight on and he turns his head and then looks at me from through the side of his eye, you know, that is a whole different level of, um, of an image that, that brings that image to a different place. So when you're with a group of photographers and you're all looking at the same scene, it's waiting for that scene and, and anticipating the behavior and maybe capturing that one little glare that, that maybe somebody else didn't. And it's just waiting and anticipating and uh, reacting, I guess, in the right in the right time. And rather than just rapid firing, you know, and, and just allowing your shutter just to completely, um, you know, fire without without really looking at, at what it is that you're photographing. You know, when you're in these environments, um, you know, I never go anywhere without a guide. Um, and the people that are knowledgeable about these animals. And that's most important because you don't want any risks to come to you or the animal, right? So you have to be very respectful on all fronts. And um, yeah, so it's most important that when you're, when you're going out there that, that you're, you have safety, number one, and also that you're dressing appropriately as well. <laughs> most important. Um, I've seen people get frostbite very quickly because they weren't, they weren't prepared properly but you know it's also it's also just making sure that that you're setting yourself up for the action to possibly take place you don't necessarily know somebody's going to walk into that scene or that the bear is going to walk in but if you can at least position yourself in a in a in the way that the light is going to be best then that obviously is the is the ultimate starting point so take me on one of these journeys with you what has one of the scariest moments that you've had of photographing out in the wild? <laughs> well, there were two, and, and they were both uh, with bears. One was a polar bear, and one was a grizzly bear. And the first one was we had just landed on the tundra, and we were between Arviat and Churchill in the polar bear migration path, and it was fall, so they were just waiting to get back onto the ice. So we landed and we were entering um, the plane. We were on a twin otter and all of a sudden the bear was there. And my girlfriend who had come up with me and had always wanted to see a polar bear said, there's a bear. I'm like, yeah, there's a bear. I need my 500 millimeter. And I'm trying to get it out of the case. And she's like, yeah, but there's a bear. I'm like, yeah, I know. I need my 500 millimeter. 
She's like, but there's the bear. And the guides were uh, unloading the plane, and then all of a sudden they came over and went, yeah, there's a bear. So they had their guns and uh, in order to protect, obviously. And this bear was incredibly curious. And within minutes, uh, he was approaching, and he was incredibly close. And my girlfriend ended up being in a doorway of one of the cabins that we were in with the bush pilot, uh, smart girl. But I found myself behind my guy, who was then only 20 feet from the polar bear. And I knew at that point that I couldn't run. I knew that I had to stay put. And uh, I, I, he, I just watched him stand there like he was, he was not backing down whatsoever. And he said, big bear, he's talking ineptitude to him, saying, don't come any closer. And we're not here to harm you. We don't want you to harm us. And, and then he sat down. So I had my short lens on my other camera, so I started taking photos because I figured, well, if I lived, then I had something to share and tell stories about him. And if I didn't, then everybody would know what my last moments were. I'm really right. I might as well take photos. And then my guide turned and he said, are you done taking photos? The bear's going to charge. And I was like, dude, <laughs> dude, me taking photos. I'm just kind of doing what I doing something while I'm watching you protect me only 20 feet from a bear. And uh, so unfortunately he had to fire a ground shot, but um, firing any kind of weapon at a, at a bear is not, is not a good thing. But he did walk away and there was no harm to us or to the bear, most importantly. And I don't know, most importantly us or the bear. Um, and uh, yeah, it was wild. It was the scariest moment I've ever had being that close and to a charging bear. But at the same time, it it uh, it all worked out nicely. I love that you were just photographing. <laughs> really? What else? <laughs> and that he was scary. like waiting for you to finish photographing. <laughs> well, he kind of, out the side of his mouth, are you done? I'm like, yeah. And he was such a big bear. And he sat down and he put one foot forward than the other. And he started looking out each side of the, you know, his head, his eyes. Like he, he turned his head just slightly side to side. He was just such a monstrous bear. So that was the first one. And then the second one was when I was in uh, the Yukon and we were with the ice grizzlies. And we were on the ground. It was really cold. It was minus 25. And uh, Sophie, the ice bear, decided that she wanted to jump exactly where I was. At this point, I was not taking photos because I was on the ground and we were only about five feet away from her. And she just stared at me and I stared at her and the guy was behind me and he was talking to her and saying, okay, Sophie, you know that we're here and she wanted I was in her eating spot so she wanted to jump over the water and and land to where I was so I was just staring at this bear eye to eye not taking a photo and uh and then she ended up just jumping the water behind and then she ended up standing right behind my girlfriend who was looking at me so we were face to face and now I'm looking at her going don't move like I couldn't talk to her I was just because that's that's where the bears will react right if you're reacting and I think they can obviously feed off of your off of your energy, but 
also you don't want to be picking up your camera and having any jerky movements or or showing any kind of behavior that they will react to so that was scary too yeah (laughs) (laughs) so the moral of the story is if a bear is staring you down don't move okay do what your guy says don't run because it'll it'll come after you there's another image of yours that I would love to hear the the backstory to and that is your image it's one of the main images on on the front of your website with the walrus and I understand you were there with 10,000 walrus Mm -hmm. so describe both the scenario and then what happened when the moment you got the image or images so I found out, I was working on a book on my Burke article I scope, and I was uh, also working on an exhibition at the Museum of Nature here in Ottawa, and it was on the Arctic, and I wanted to photograph walrus. So I had done some research and found out that there were some scientists that had said that there were 10,000 walrus on this island near Hall Beach, Nunavut. And I never imagined what it was like or what it would be like to see, first of all, we didn't know if those animals would still be there, right? They're in the migration. We didn't know the, you know, if they would, if they would stay, but to smell them before you saw them, first of all, and to see them swimming in the water so proficiently, they're such amazing swimmers. And to see this blanket of walrus on an Island, it was, you know, when you see numbers of animals that, that are, it just takes your breath away. So we landed and uh, we went up on the, on there's a small hill behind, behind them. And it was great because we had a perfect viewing point and they're so enormous, so beautiful at the same time as so incredibly not great looking, you know, with their textures and their eyes and their, their skin. And anyway, just watching the behavior and, and looking at them from this wonderful angle. And then uh, near the end, I said to my guide, okay, I'd really like to go down and see them on on the ground level. And a lot of times as wildlife photographers, we like to be low to the ground, have a good vantage point. And uh, I said, I'd really like to do that. So he said, okay. So it took us about an hour to walk up to the edge of the herd. And the light was, eh, you know, it was nearing the end of the day and they were flat. I mean, there wasn't other than a couple of the males coming up and, and doing their little tusking, there wasn't really much going on. I'm like, okay. So I had some intimacy with this edge of the herd master, whatever the guy that was, it was like he was guarding the rest of the herd and he was so huge. So I did some close up work. And, and so we turned away and walked back and I was hand holding my 200 to 400. And I had another camera that was 70 to 200, I guess on the body. And we're walking back. And all of a sudden I heard this thunderous sound and I turned around and I just started shooting and I shoot manual most of the time. I didn't know if I was, if I had the right exposure or the right settings or if I was in focus, I didn't know. I just shot because the movement was so unbelievable. I just, I didn't, I knew that they were on the move, but I didn't, I didn't really understand because I couldn't see with my own eyes what exactly happened. And it wasn't until I looked on the back of my camera that I said, okay, first of all, no one else in the world has this photo. And second, this is the most unbelievable photo I've ever taken in my life. And as photographers, I think that's what that's what we ultimately always are searching for. And all of a sudden, this the sun just peaked slightly out of the clouds, like there was some some uh, texture and and light coming through that wasn't there. 
but the sandstone from under the walrus, the dust came up from their movement. So they something had spooked them and they went into the water. So this this it became this ethereal, uh, almost like prehistoric, right looking image with now I had the movement, I had the light, and I had this mist that was actually the the dust. And I looked at the back of my camera and I said, okay, now I have my Nat Geo photo. This is it. Now I've got it. And we talked earlier about just being prepared to capture something in the moment that it is happening. Um, And all your experience that you had kind of leads up to being able to do that in that moment. Yeah. And taking the chance, right. And just shooting Because if I had just, if I had turned around just to look and not shot, I, I would have, I would have not. So it was like, I turned listening because we have to see, we have to hear, we have to smell. And if you're using all of your senses and when you're in the Arctic, all your senses are alive. And I find that when we're down south, we're muffled by traffic and people and sounds and up there, everything is so much alive because you have to be aware of your surroundings at all times. How do you stay calm and present in those environments when there's so much excitement about what you're seeing so that you give that calm energy to the animal in your exchange? Yeah, I think it's just, it's built into what it is that I know that I have to do in the moment in order for me to get that shot. In the moment, you have to stay so focused and so still and exactly what you said, you know, project that positive energy and that that welcoming and, and not get too excited. But man, when when that experience is over and I can if I could scream at the top of my lungs, I do. Oh my goodness, it's just like ah! I've screamed so many times just like excitement and the adrenaline and the rush and the, 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 the honor, I think more so, you know, that it's, it just, for me, it becomes obviously photography is what brings me there, but seeing and experiencing, um, those kind of moments is what really is the, the moment that I crave for. So talk to me about how do you think, photography can make a difference in our world today? Photography and video have an incredible power. And I think it connects people in ways that wouldn't necessarily happen otherwise. And now with social media, uh, we are more connected than ever. And I think we're learning more about the world and what it is that, say, we have to lose if we don't take better care of it. Uh, whether it's conservation photography or you're trying to share a story about a certain disease or illness. You know, for me, photography and giving back have been hand in hand and it's been a a parallel path for me. And my first book was on HIV and AIDS back in the late 90s when nobody was talking about AIDS. So as visual storytellers, we have a great gift to give. And I think collectively, we have a power that is beyond really what we may realize. I want to make sure people know about some of the exciting things uh, going on with you. Where can people find out where you are speaking, as well as what your expeditions are, tours that people can join? If you go to my website, michellevelber.com, it has most of the trips that I have booked coming up on there listed and one 
really exciting thing that's coming up this summer. I'm allowed to uh, announce. Yay! I'm going to have a booklet out of stamps, of Canada Post stamps, which again has been one of those in the back of my head, I have a Royal Canadian Mint coin with an image, and it's of a Nunavut drummer. But this one is pretty exciting for me to say that I'm going to have three stamps. So, That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, thank you. I love seeing everything that you create and how you help other photographers think about the beauty that we have here in this world. So thank, thank you, you so much for your time. Thank you, Kevin. It's been a real treat. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I want to give a huge thank you to Michelle Valberg for sharing all of her stories and wild adventures. You can find all things Michelle on her website, michellevalberg.com, or via her Instagram, at Photography. Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. So if you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, we've got a class or two or thousands for you to check out. Just head on over to creativelive.com. And for those of you brand new to Creative Live, welcome to our community. We have a special gift just for you. Use the code WEARPHOTOGRAPHERS, all one word, no spaces, and get $10 off your very first purchase. So thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next week for another episode of We Are Photographers. Photographers.